Well, good morning. In connection with what we have before us out of Ephesians 5, I was considering each of you contrasting your youth with my old age. I remember an illustration by a preacher who talked about candles, cancel candles which had been lit. Some candles you know, just lit, they have a lot yet left to burn off, right? Others have mostly burned out. Your life is mostly before you. To be lived yet, and to be lived wisely, and over the years that the Lord gives, should he tarry to accumulate over the years the benefit of knowing God and of serving him. Those who start on this journey later, they have a lesser opportunity. So you have a great opportunity before God. I suppose if you put it in terms of money, we'll understand it better. You all understand interest. Maybe you don't understand simple interest versus compound interest, but they're both interest. And the longer it accumulates, the larger the amount becomes. So all of us have a life to live. You have, a, by God's grace, at the stage of life, you, ha you have a longer span to live. And our passage today tells us to live it wisely, to live it wisely. Today's message perhaps will prove the introduction to a series you're going to have in the book of Proverbs, which is all about wisdom and living. It's not just the Old Testament that talks about wisdom. All of the Bible really is about living out, knowing, and living in the light of truth, which is genuine wisdom. In verse 15 of the passage that was read, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17, he kind of summarizes the whole thought. He says, look carefully, then how you walk. How should it be? Not as unwise, but as wise. What is that? Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but be wise. In verse 16, therefore, don't be foolish. Another word for unwise. Don't be foolish, but what should you do? Not to be foolish. When I ask questions like that, especially in class, the answer is always in the text. Right? You read the next clause. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This, my exhortation today to you from God's Word is to be wise, young men and women. Be wise. Understand the Lord's will. Live wisely and Make something of your life. Make the most of your life that the Lord has given you. Live it well. Live it rightly. And he begins this passage, or this section that I chose today, it begins with, let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. The world is full of ideas of all sorts. All sorts of ideas. And many of them, the most of them, everything that is really out of alignment with the truth is a deceptive, misleading ideology and a path. How many of you are from Missouri? And what is your motto of the state? Show me. Show me. 
So the ideologies of the world really need to be tested like a good Missourian, right? You really want to know the validity of things that people are espousing and advocating and are trying to affect you with. Philosophies are not just in books. Generally, we think about philosophy as big, fat books written, sometimes narrow, small ones written. But philosophies are not just books written. Philosophies are ways of looking at life and judging it and giving value judgments to various kinds of conduct. On the one hand, for most of you, the Lord tarries most of your life. A long life is left in front of you, but in the larger scheme of things, life is still short. We don't know when it ends, how much of it is given to us. And our passage today encourages us with this. Don't experiment with your life. Don't experiment with your life. Don't make a mess of it. Why not? Because you are already today in a state, if you have come to know the Lord, of having come to know the truth and the living and true God. You have come to be in the light. You have come to know the light. You have come to see the light. The living and true God, who is the light of life, has shined into your lives and hearts already. Life is short. Now, over my lifetime, I have read enough things outside of the Bible. Gave books to my children to read. Did not spare them really any of the classics in literature. Some works of nonfiction. Read uh, mythologies of various sorts. So when the Bible tells us not to be deceived by empty words, it is not saying that you should not know or be acquainted with other worldviews and other outlooks of life. Uh, we have a whole course for first year, right, to acquaint you with other worldviews. It is one thing to know what is misleading or guiding the lives of many out there. It is another thing for you to not have a basis and a proper guidance for how you live your life. It is one thing to be acquainted with what those who do not know God do. They're all around us. You have to close our eyes not to see it, correct? But it's entirely different as to what should guide your life. What are the principles that should shape the course and direct the course of your life? So here, the Word of God tells us, let no one deceive you with empty words. And it's, it's all around you. It's all around you. You will find a lot of it, really, you know, especially considering the considerable time we all spend on the Internet. It, just, it is there on every page. It is there in every argument, every debate. It is there in every news report. It is there, really, there's a filter of ideology through which all of the entertainment productions are going today. You have to be a discerning person as you hear, listen to, watch the stuff that is out there. They all have a purpose, they, and their purpose is not a good purpose as far as you are concerned. Their purpose is really to bring you into alignment and acceptance and sympathy with worldviews and ideologies which are contrary to the truth. 
Do not let anyone deceive you with empty words. A couple of things. One just happened very recently. This happens to me when I'm reading news magazines. Long time ago. This was when I was in seminary, so that's a few decades ago. Time magazine, lead article. Why the world is being polluted? The world is being polluted, environment being destroyed because of missionary Christians. Did you know that? That they took this creation mandate to what? To pollute the environment. You think the petroleum companies and others that who are offenders were, were all motivated by evangelism to do so. And then just the other day I'm reading that someone actually sent me a magazine to make me more liberal. It's a well-wisher of mine, but I am just too conservative. So this is a magazine called The Economist, right? Well, it's got lots of information, so I like the obituaries in that because you, I get to read about people who just died that nobody knew about. And they regularly feature people like that in the obituaries. And this one was about some girl. So it began with that she grew up in Portugal and her grandmother told her that you should obey your man, and that led her into a promiscuous life. Can you see the logical connection between a, a Catholic grandma saying you should you know, obey your husband and woman, a, a woman, a girl becoming whatever she became? So there's always ideology that people connect with improperly, illogically with things and trying to influence your thinking and shape you. And this is in a news magazine, supposedly. A news magazine on money, on the economy. So it's there all around you. And part of what we will hope through your study and learning at, at Emmaus Bible College is to become critical thinkers. But you know something? They are very hard to find. Our index of gullibility is so high. And the way to become a sound and critical thinker, especially to evaluate worldviews and right and wrong, is for you who have come to the light, to stay in the light, to bask in the light, to spend your, your time as much as possible in the light that is the Word of God. For all the stuff that I have read, I have also stayed in the Word of God so I could see where somebody was coming from. Now, philosophers, I have once took a graduate course in philosophy. It was philosophy of language. The question that I was left with at the end of the course, what is the method of philosophy? And the professor really couldn't give an answer. What is the method of philosophy? At some point, say logic. But even logic can be abused. And so, how do you know ideas are right? How do you know ideas are true? But ideas affect life. So here, in fact, the Apostle Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Why? Because it leads to conduct, which is also under deception that is wrong. So let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The empty words lead to conduct that is disobedient, that is wrong in the eyes of God. Instead, what should I do? So the words do produce walk, walk as children of light. How do I walk as a child of light? Verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is your fundamental assignment, assignment for life. 
not just in any one class, not just for today. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. It's not just your assignment, it's my assignment. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord or in the words of the, the final clause in what we read, 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. And I know you, many of you came here to MAS to understand what the will of the Lord is. And you're thinking, is it him? Is it her? Very often our thinking about the will of the Lord is about things like that. You know, who should I marry? Or should it be business? Should it be computer science, right? What's going to be my career? We think of the will of the Lord in, in those particular categories, big choices, big decisions. But the will of the Lord is really how I ought to live every day. These are choices I should make in every situation when a choice is involved. It's a choice between right and wrong. It's a choice between what is better versus what is worse. It is a choice between what is edifying versus what is not edifying or is destructive. All of us should live every day pursuing and seeking the will of the Lord in every individual choice that we make in life. That is the pursuit of the will of God. And that pursuit of the will of God is informed by understanding God's truth and our surrender to the truths that we do understand. Most of the time our problem is that not that we don't understand some truth, right? You know, good and bad in many categories, right? Good and bad, good and bad with regard to the stuff we watch. Good and bad with regard to the stuff we hear. You know good and bad, where's the difficulty? In choosing the good. And our passage is telling us, live as children of the light. You know, there are many, many passages, several passages in the New Testament that uh, scholars have proposed as early Christian hymns. I'm a skeptic in regard to those things, so I'm not persuaded by most of those. But this one might be one. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Do not continue in the works of darkness. Do not be in the state of death. Come alive to God. So which really a response. You want life. You turn to God. And there, I don't know how many of you are here. You know the words of the gospel. You understand the words of the gospel. But is it something true and real in your heart, in your choice? The other day I was uh, relating, two days ago in class, it, was, it just came up in my mind. A couple of years ago I got an email from a friend. And we hadn't talked to each other for four years, and it's about four years after I had left Michigan, uh, come here, and uh, sent me an email. He wanted to share something with me, and when I read what he said, boy, you took your time sharing with this with me, was the fact that he had been in the, in the assembly, in the gospel preaching, in Lord's Supper celebrating, uh, church context for all his life. Grew up in it, was in it, and uh, participated in the Lord's Supper. He was there. He said one Sunday he was listening to the preaching, which asked him, do you know the Lord Jesus personally? And he began to think, have I really ever asked Christ into my life as my Savior? And he concluded that he hadn't, that he did not know him personally. And what he wrote to me is that you know, he had hung out that afternoon with us, and that evening he had gone home and knelt by his bed and acknowledged to the Lord that he had not received him and asked Jesus into his life. There may be some here this morning, you have come here because you know the words, or other people sent you here, 
but you have not come to be truly in the life that God gives you by receiving Christ into your life. And if that is the case, today is your opportunity. You should come to the light. Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He will give you purpose. He will give you meaning. Things about pleasing God which seem so boring and terrible all of a sudden will appear to be what they are, truly the wisdom of God and the life of God. Ideologies have consequences. They produce conduct. A lot of the corrupt political ideologies had philosophical underpinnings to him. There was Nietzsche behind Nazism and its atrocities. There was atheism behind the communists and their brutalizing and murdering of millions. Ideologies are, have great consequence. And the Bible presents to us, really, ideology, truth, without a peer, without a comparable thing in all that exists out there. And in this case, there's one more thing. It's really the show-me thing that I would like to bring out before you. When it comes to the Bible, it's really something that is trustworthy and dependable. It's not mere philosophy. It's not mere ideology. Why? Because the Bible has been produced in the, in the context, in the situation of real life. What do I mean? Let me ask you a simple question. I may have asked this before in class. Which came first, the Exodus or the Pentateuch? Which happened first? The books come first or the event of the Exodus happened first? The event happened first. God worked in history, demonstrated his reality and power before the books were ever written. Which happened first? The public ministry of the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection or the New Testament? The public ministry of the Lord Jesus and his death and resurrection. We are relying, trusting on something which has got historical veracity. It is a testimony of history of events that happened. It's not a man coming out of the desert carrying a sword saying, obey me or else, or believe this book because or else I'll cut your throat. This is not the Bible. The Bible is not an ideology, a philosophy written in a dark room by people merely mystically thinking about things. It is really the testimony, and there's no other religious book in all of, all of the world which is so rooted and grounded in real-time space from the beginning to the end. And you should believe in it. And you should believe and receive it because the God of this word is one who makes himself real to you in your experience. Do not let anyone deceive you with empty words. Don't waste your time with worthless things. Occupy with things of worth, of substance. You are already here. You have made that commitment and choice by coming to Emmaus Bible College to study the word. Use your spare time wisely. Focus on healthy things. Set your mind on the right things. Be wise. Value the time that God has given you. Do not be unwise, but be wise. Do not be foolish. Understand the will of the Lord in between says making the best use of the time. And this is my word of encouragement and wisdom for you. Awake, O sleeper. Christ will shine on you. Turn to him if you have not turned to him. But if you have turned to him, live in the light. Walk in the light. Live as a child of God. Make the hard choices. Make the hard choices to make commitments for what is good and healthy for you and thereby for you to be a blessing to other people. May the Lord 
guide you and bless you in this regard and make this a wonderful year for each one of you. Shall we pray? Our oh, Father, we give you thanks for who you are, that you have come into our life. That's so amazing. It's amazing that the Creator God should keep company with each one of us through, by indwelling us through your Spirit. Thank you for your gift of salvation through our Lord. Thank you for the Word of God, which is our light, gives, instructs us in the truth, gives us wisdom. Help us to be wise. I pray for each of these men and women here today that we would live wisely, understanding what the will of the Lord is and choosing it as we go from day to day. May your grace be with us. In Christ's name we ask.